Welcome back to another week here on MWO Sports. Ryan Drury here. I'll be joined by Clarkie and Steve Stavron. Lots to dig into this week. We'll be joined by longtime TSN CFL analyst Dwayne Ford on the recent CFL announcement that they're going to be partnering up with merging maybe with the XFL. We'll talk about what the announcement might mean for the future of the Canadian Football League. We'll also talk later on about the NHL rejoining ESPN on a seven-year mega deal worth just shy of $2 billion. What's that mean for the league? We'll talk about the Leafs' recent skid, and of course, we'll chat with wagering expert Chris Abbott on our buddy Corey Connors at the Players' Championship, the Briar, and much more here on MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to MWO Sports. Ryan Drury here with Chris Clark and Steve Sabrin. We are brought to you as always by CoolBet.co. Very pleased to be joined by a special guest, longtime CFL analyst on TSN and longtime player, of course, Dwayne Ford joins us. Dwayne, how are you? I'm doing great. Pleasure to join you guys tonight. How are things with you? Things are great in this weird pandemic world that we continue to live in, the Zoom world we usually refer to it as. Uh, Dwayne, obviously some big news, uh, at least potentially big news in terms of the CFL after losing a season to the pandemic. They're in talks with the XFL of, you know, potentially forming some kind of partnership. Now, Randy Ambrosi, the commissioner, has been kind of coy in interviews the last couple of days about what exactly that might mean. In your opinion, after hearing the news, what do you think it could potentially mean, Dwayne? Yeah, it was uh, the, the world's most vague announcement, wasn't it? It was uh, <laughs> big news, but we're not, we don't really have anything to tell you. Um, it, it really does leave the, the door open to quite a range. Obviously, um, the the biggest impact, you know, the most far-reaching possibility that has been discussed obviously would, would be a merger and, you know, some of the, the changes, the obvious changes that would go along with that, whether in terms of, of rules and, and so many other things, uh, you know, but I mean, quite simply, I think that this, this starts as simply as uh, exchanging business practices, ideas in terms of, in terms of marketing, um, you know, you've got two leagues that that basically on the surface, when you look at them, each one kind of has something that that the other one wants and can can theoretically maybe provide some direction with. I think when you look from a, a Canadian Football League standpoint and you look at the XFL, you kind of go, OK, well, you know, I mean, these guys, regardless of the issues that the XFL has has historically had, these guys have had decent American television contracts, and that's obviously something that that the Canadian Football League would would love to tap into. Um, you know, there's the marketing savvy and the uh, the marketability of some of the people involved with the XFL. And I think simply from the the XFL point of view, when you look at the Canadian Football League, it is quite frankly the only other pro football league in North America that has managed to coexist with the National Football League, the only one that has managed to survive. And so I think on that very basic level, there's kind of a starting point in terms of, okay, how, how can we help each other? And then, as I said, it quite a range from there in terms of, in terms of what the word collaborate could mean. Dwayne, why do you think uh, the commissioner came out and made the announcement? As you said, it was sort of a bizarre announcement. What do you think was it? Uh, I think that on at least a uh, 
a small lotion and, and marketing aspect of it that, uh, you know, that quite frankly, you look at all the talk that, that two leagues that for all intents and purposes, neither of these leagues played a full season in 2020. And there's a pretty good chance that neither of these leagues plays a full season in 2021, but everybody's talking about both of them right now. And so I, I think that on, on some small level, I think that there's, there's motivation there obviously for, for both of them to kind of come out at this time and uh, get themselves on the front page of everybody's sports section. Uh, Dwayne, this isn't the first time that uh, the CFL has gone into the U.S. market. I mean, you go back to the days of Baltimore and Shreveport when they had that expansion that lasted a couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. So there's a history of success in, in, in broadening, I guess, the scope but it's definitely different because that was CFL controlled and this is two parties that would have to cooperate. Yeah, absolutely. This is, uh, this is very different. And I think that for a a lot of longtime Canadian football league fans, um, I I think this news is probably met with a a little bit of trepidation, right? You, you look at, at the history of the Canadian football league, um, you know, just the, the tradition involved in it. And uh, it has often been talked about the fact that the, the Canadian football league fan base is a little bit older fan base and, you know, being, being part of that age demographic, we don't always like a lot of big change. And the, so the, the possibility of, uh, of significant changes kind of makes us all, all a little wary, but, but having said that, um, you know, I have, have always been a, a proponent that, I think one of the, for lack of a better word, weaknesses of the Canadian Football League in terms of the way it operates is sometimes doing things a certain way simply because that's how they've always done them. And I think that that's, that's something that has gotten the league into a little bit of trouble. And, and obviously it's something from a business point of view that Commissioner Randy Ambrosi recognizes that, you know, so much, there's been so much talk about we need to, we need to fix our business model. And, um, you know, ultimately, I don't know what the involvement of the, the XFL will be or might be in terms of uh, in terms of doing that. But, uh, you know, I, I do think that there is potential for for some positive coming out of um, an injection of outside thought and maybe getting some outside eyes on this as well. Right. So, Dwayne, like Steve just mentioned, you know, the CFL has had a foray into the United States market a couple different times with, we'll call it mitigated success, I guess. Um, Let's just pretend for a second that Randy Ambrosi came out this week and said, we're combining, we're going to be one big league. Like you just said, Canadian viewers up here, we hold the CFL very dear. Our rules are different. We celebrate that. Um, And then in the American side of things, our rules don't really play down there with fans. So I kind of thought of this. Let's assume that the leagues are combining. Do they maybe go for a baseball type format like NLAL where pitchers have to hit in one league? Maybe the XFL plays under one set of rules and the CFL plays under another. And when you get to the title game, whoever had the best record, that's the rules that are played under. What would you think of something like that? Uh, I, I'm not sure you could you could pull that off, <laughs> quite honestly, in terms of uh, you know the the different sets of rules. If ultimately they're they're going to play a championship game, because it you know it it would give one team a decided advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know it, it it's an interesting thing because I think when you 
you initially look at it and and you think, as we've discussed, Canadian Football League fans don't want to see change, but you kind of assume that uh, if they're bringing in these American teams and um, playing in American stadiums that aren't necessarily equipped to to house a Canadian-sized field, that, you know, American audience, American being the bigger audience and, and obviously the probably more lucrative television contract that, uh, that there may be a desire driven by those things to play American rules. But then, you know, I also look from the point of view that the XFL is so built on being entertaining, which hasn't always been, I would say, the motivation of the National Football League. But the XFL is is so much about entertainment. And, you know, is there a more fan-friendly brand of football than Canadian football? The bigger field, three-down football, throwing lots, kick returns instead of fair catches, punt returns, um, you know, wide-open special teams play, those sorts of things. And, you know, you start to think about the way that the, the style of play has gone, even in the National Football League, and think about how much that they have have adapted from Canadian football. When you think about now compared to a generation ago, much more mobile quarterbacks, replacing tight ends with another wide receiver on the field, uh, an additional cover guy playing on defense and, and those things that there, there are so many aspects of the Canadian game starting to seep into 11 man um, American football that you kind of go, well, if, if they were to merge, why wouldn't they try to play? Why wouldn't they try to play Canadian rules? Because I think that it is, quite honestly, a more entertaining brand of football. I think you're right. I think the three downs really, um, you know, emphasizes the passing game, which I enjoy. And, uh, you know, there's as a diehard CFL guy, which I am and a diehard Argonaut fan. In fact, it's kind of weird because I'm a Argo fan, but I'm also a Ticat fan, but I don't really want to get into that, <laughs> which is very strange. I know. But is there, is there a rule that you would say they can't lose this one? Like, would you, if you were the commissioner, really fight for the three downs or really fight for one particular rule, Dwayne? I'll tell you what, if I were the commissioner, I'd be fighting for all of them, quite frankly, um, you know, to because I think that there are so many of the, the rules in Canadian football that kind of fit together, right? Like playing three downs means you're throwing the ball more, wide open play, 12 men, you, you kind of need the bigger field. Right. So all of these things go together that it's hard to to pick one. But, you know, I would say, honestly, if, if I were going to pick one that, that I personally would fight for and it was something that that became an issue with the last foray into American expansion in the mid 90s, it would it would have to do with the ratio. And, you know, I think that you need to have in playing Canadian football, you need to have Canadian players a place for Canadian players and, and you need to find a way around labor rules, labor laws in the United States to get Canadian players on the, the rosters of American teams. If uh, you know, if this is, if this is something we're going to do. And, and again, obviously we, we may be getting ahead of ourselves when we, uh, when we start talking about a merger, but if, you know, if it's a possibility, yeah, you, you better know what uh, you know, sort of what your, your deal breakers are. Um. Going back into your past and your your playing day, uh, to you, how has the game in Canada evolved from when you suited up? Uh, you know, I would say that it, it almost starts at at 
youth levels, you know, I mean, not even necessarily grassroots football, but when I look at, at high school football, university football, um, Canadian kids coming into the league are, are so much more prepared, are so much more advanced as football players than, than what they were a generation ago. You know, for me as a guy who, who loves the draft as I do, and I'm at the combine every year, um, you can see it, you know, like having, for me, I've been at the combine every year going back to, to 2005. You know, I had my own combine experience in 1991. And, it, you know, even just looking at the, the level of physical preparation of, of guys when they come into the combine, you know, if you sort of took pictures every decade, you know, 1991, 2001, 2011, 2021, you would see a marked difference in, you know, every year just in terms of the level of physical preparation. Um, you know, the way guys get themselves ready to play. And, and as I said, um, you know, coaching has become, has become more advanced in this country. You've got a number of top guys because of the density of competition that's available in the States. You've got a lot of top kids who are playing as, as has happened with Canadian basketball. We've seen a boom where we've seen a lot of the top kids going to finish their high school careers in the States and kind of get into that more competitive environment. And um, I think ultimately what it has done is, is helped grow and improve the game here. Hey, Dwayne, uh, you know, if the commissioner wanted people talking about it, I guess he uh, accomplished his goal, that's for sure. It'll be interesting to see how all this plays out over the next little while. Hopefully we get some CFL this year, if they can get that in order. But before we let you go, um, be remiss if I didn't ask you about your uh, broadcast partner, Chris Schultz, who we lost last week. Chris was actually a friend of mine. Uh, I was at the Fan 590 radio back in the 90s and brought him in um, to start his broadcasting career. I went down and I was friends with Mike McCarthy at the time and uh met with mike and and um i think maybe dave watkins was the pr guy at the time mike cosentino there as well and they suggested i talk to this guy chris schultz this big guy what a lovable guy um and i was heartbroken last week as i'm sure the entire cfl family uh was but just give me your thoughts on chris yeah absolutely um it's still still a hard one for me to talk about quite Mm -hmm. honestly um Mm -hmm. You know, the, the story that I'll tell you goes back to, to 1994 and getting ready for the, the 1994 season. I was a free agent. Um, I had played out my option in Winnipeg and an opportunity presented itself for me to, to come home. I'm a Mississauga guy, and, you know, grew up in a family of Toronto Argonaut season ticket holders. And so there was an opportunity to sign with the Argos. And so in the middle of the off season, I went into the Argos facility, which even though they were playing at the Dome, we were still working out of this dingy little facility at Exhibition Stadium. Yeah. And uh, I went in to meet with Bob Obilovich, who was, uh, who was the head coach and general manager at that time to, you know, to kind of talk about my situation then, you know, and talk contract, kind of get things ironed out. And during the time I was in there, there was, you know, I met a couple of the coaches, but there was one player in the facility, in the entire facility, middle of the off season, in there working out and watching game film. And it was Chris Schultz. And that was the first time I met Schultzy. Mm-hmm. As you know, you probably saw a lot of stories, the tweets that people had, stories that people told about Chris, where a lot of the guys at, at TSN producers and guys around the newsroom and stuff, one of the things they mentioned is how Schultzy wrote everything down, right? Yeah. And um, 
you know, I can tell you that that level of, of preparation and professionalism wasn't something that he just developed in his broadcasting career. That was very much something that, that Schultz was all about as a player. It was just something about his, in his personality that, um, you know, I, I think about that day, as mm-hmm. I said, middle of the off season and there's one guy in the facility and it's the guy who is a nine time all-star and who played left tackle in the national football league. Mm-hmm. And he's the guy in there going the extra mile. I can tell you that I never saw Schultz that year. You know, he never went into a meeting, never went to watch film without his notebook that he was still always taking notes and, you know, and trying to learn and trying to make himself better. And, you know, as you guys know, in, uh, you know, in this profession, um, you know, Schultz, was the, the consummate professional. Um, even more than that, though, one of the absolute best teammates, whether in football or broadcasting. I mean, we, we met that day in the offseason before the 94 season. We have been friends ever since. One of the most loyal guys you could ever meet. And, uh, you know, he will be missed. Mm-hmm. Well said, Dwayne. Yeah, an awful loss. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that Clarky and I did a little bonus episode on our YouTube channel where we sat down with former Argos GM Mike McCarthy to talk in depth about Schultz and his impact on the game here. So please go check that out if you so choose. Uh, Dwayne Ford, two-time CFL Grey Cup champion with Calgary, of course, played for Winnipeg, Toronto, and Hamilton. And he has been one of the premier voices on the CFL over on TSN in this country for a long, long time. Dwayne, we really appreciate you doing this, buddy. Let's hope that there's some good news for the CFL this year and we get some games in. That would be great. We'd love to see you back on TV. Thanks so much for doing this pal my pleasure guys thanks for having me and hopefully we'll uh we'll see you in the stadium fingers crossed we really hope so too all right we'll take a quick break here on mwo sports brought to you by coolbet.co when we come back lots to talk about the nhl's back on espn the leafs hit a little bit of a road bump how much are they panicking or not panicking and of course the blue jays looking pretty good in spring training lately we'll talk about that next here on mwo sports this is mwo sports Welcome back to MWO Sports. Ryan Drury still in here with Clarky and Steve Sabrin. Thanks to our buddy Dwayne Ford, our CFL analyst, for joining us to talk about the CFL XFL. Lots to talk about still in the sports world, guys. Let's start with the NHL, obviously announcing a landmark deal with ESPN to return hockey to the sports giant in the United States. Overall, I think this is pretty good news for the league. It was sad when they left ESPN in 2004. Um, I think it did a lot of harm to the exposure of the league. But I think as the United States has added two more teams since then, and obviously Vegas and of course Seattle coming in, I think it's a perfect opportunity for them to get back into more homes that, you know, say what you want about ESPN and their quote unquote fledgling product over the last couple of years. They are still a massive, massive giant in sports over here in North America. They still carry a ton of huge properties with huge, uh, you know, people on the channel uh, that are really popular. Uh, I think this is great news. Clarky, I'll start with you. What did you think of the seven year deal? That's worth $1.9 billion in pure revenue for the league. Uh, I I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, I don't see how it can be a bad thing. I think what you mentioned there with exposure 
is one of the keys, not just carrying games, Ryan, but um, on SportsCenter at night. And they've been buried at times. And maybe now that they are a, a, a property of ESPN, that they will get a little bit more exposure on SportsCenter. Um, and I think that I, I – Maybe I'm not seeing some side of things, but I would think this is a real good thing for the National Hockey League. Steve, what were your impressions of it? Well, I mean, yeah, it's exposure along with the money. I mean, and then you get your personalities in there as well, right? Um, you know, as a sports fan and you're watching or listening to uh, the various personalities and experts, um, hopefully what they can do is... <sighs> bring it to the forefront with personalities that actually mean something and not go get, you know, no names who nobody can relate to. Um, and maybe get some people who don't step over the line all the time and make everything look foolish. We won't mention any names of former broadcasters who did that. Um, but you know, it's, the money's a big part because the NBC deal didn't really pump a whole lot of money into the system, um, you know, compared to what other sports get from networks. So, you know, th that's some good money and it'll be interesting to see um, how it affects uh, the operations of the NHL. And if the players uh, will be able to, I guess, dive into that as well. Yeah, and it's interesting, right, because ESPN, I mean, the last hockey game they broadcast was 2004, Game 7, Cup Final, Tampa Bay-Calgary. And, uh, you know, funnily enough, as they come back on the league, Daryl Sutter is still the head coach of the Calgary Flames. Um, no, it's it's going to be great. And I, and I really think that ESPN has great personalities there. Obviously, you think you guys like Stephen A. Smith. Obviously, guys like that are going to have to comment on hockey more. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more about hockey from the guys at Pete. TI. We know that they enjoy hockey, obviously, but Steve, like you mentioned, they, they got to get this right in terms of presentation. Now, in the press release, the National Hockey League said it's their goal to try and utilize ESPN to attract more younger viewers, and I, I think every sport would say that they want that, and if they're going to do that, they need to go about this and, and be very, very careful and strategic about the people that they bring in I you know there's talks you know someone reached out right away to Gary Thorne the legendary ESPN play-by-play -play guy about coming back if he did for a couple seasons because Gary no disrespect to him is getting a little older if he came back I would love that Gary Thorne was the voice on the NHL games when I grew up you, you heard him constantly on NHL highlights he's an all-time great play-by-play -play man that would be something cool to, to bring back Gary Thorne for some of the older fans but in terms of people that they're going to get to analyze the game because let's be honest here the folks down in Connecticut don't really have a ton of people on camera you know you hear lots about how there's lots of hockey fans in the building but people on camera they don't have many guys or girls down there that I'm very confident know the game inside and out maybe they can comment on it and things like that but they don't have inside knowledge of what this sport's all about and Clarky, you'll remember this a few years ago ESPN gutted their entire hockey staff they fired Pierre Lebron they fired Craig Custance they fired all of their hockey staffers now basically they have Greg Wyshynski who I think does a good job but they're going to have to reload on a ton of hockey personalities it would be neat if they brought somebody like John Busegross back who does a great job covering NCAA hockey 
hockey. Of course, he covered the NHL on ESPN. And, you know, back in the day, Ray Ferraro, that was his first television appearances. But they have to make sure that they get some younger faces in there, some up-and-coming voices, and also be sure that the people they bring in represent the league well. I would be really disappointed, Clarky, if they went and turned to somebody like, I don't know, a Mike Milbury, which, you know, no disrespect to Mike. I'm sure he's a great guy. But in, in front of the camera, he is a dangerous element in today's society. I would be really disappointed if they did something like that. What are your thoughts on that and how they staff this? I think they'll turn to the guys who are available. Like if NBC Sports, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I, they won't be doing it anymore, right? So no. there'll be some talent available, right? Like those those guys who are working on the NBC side right now, they'll probably be available for ESPN. So we'll see. We'll see. Or they can, there's new talent all the time. There's young people who are coming up. The NHL probably has a mandate to get younger. And maybe we'll see that. So, yeah, I think they'll be fine. I mean, it'll be different, but I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. You know what? It's going to be interesting yeah. to who they zone in on to be kind of their, um, who they pick up from the player's perspective and who's going to be the face uh, or spokesperson of ESPN hockey. Like you look at City Crosby and some of the other guys, they're getting older, right? So, and then you have Connor McDavid, who's in a Canadian market, and we know in the past that doesn't really mesh um, very well with with American networks. Do they go to Austin Matthews, who's an American playing in a Canadian uh, city? Uh, it'll just be interesting to see who they lock on as their kind of face of ESPN hockey from a player perspective. Yeah, that's one element that's going to be interesting as well, Steve. Obviously, the the talking heads, the former players that they bring in. I I mean, I mentioned, you know, Ray Ferraro made his first couple appearances there when John Busegrass was still at the desk. And um, they're going to need somebody like that that people can really attach themselves to. Ray's made a big name for himself on TSN up here. Um, if they could get somebody like that down there, probably preferably an American. I mean, I'm thinking of guys like Mike Medano, maybe. You know, somebody that American hockey fans can attach themselves to. The other thing, uh, as we move on from this, that I really hope is that this pushes the NHL to appeal to younger audiences with just better overall tech marketing, if you will. I mean, you know... <laughs> A couple of years ago, they announced that they were partnering with, you know, Major League Baseball's data agency, if you will, that was going to manage all of their presentation and stuff. And, you know, even still today, it's just become a lazy product. It gets neglected. I, I, I log into the NHL app tonight to watch a game and the back screen as it loads behind the NHL logo is a still image from the Stanley Cup final in 2016. It's a picture of Yevgeny Malkin and Logan Couture. That picture's five years old. Like, what are you doing? So I just hope that somebody gets in there and is like, guys, we've got to try and be more current, present a cleaner product, more podcasts, whatever. Just make it as easy as possible for younger people using newer technologies to access this great game of ours. All right, let's move on to the Maple Leafs. Obviously, on a three-game skid, recording this after uh, or during their game Thursday, of course. But Clarky, uh, comment on this a little bit. They were flying high after beating the crap out of the Edmonton Oilers for three straight nights. And now, I mean... I, I certainly wouldn't panic over it, 
at all, but they've hit a little bit of a road bump against a Vancouver team that they should have beat on the second night and a Winnipeg team that's closing them down for first place. I mean, your opinion on the losses and, you know, your overall, not panic level, I guess, level of concern, if you will. Level of concern. Um, Well, let's say last week, I thought it was the best stretch in my lifetime. Remember I said that on the show. Um, And yeah, it hasn't been a good couple of games since. Um, you know what? Teams are gonna go up and down. They're not. They're not. They're not gonna win every game. I get it. Um, would I love them to? Sure. Um, against Winnipeg, thought they ran well. They ran into two tough goalies. Like they, they were out goaltended in both. Uh, in the Vancouver, like Demko played great. Hellebuck played great. Like Leafs outshot Winnipeg by quite a wide margin. Um, but yeah, I, you know what? I it didn't really hurt me. Like I thought I might've been a little more pissed off, but no, it's like, it's, it's okay. Things are going to be fine. It's only March things. There's a long way to go, Ryan. There's a long way to go. They lost three games in a row for the first time under Sheldon Keefe. Oh my goodness. The world is at, no, it's not. It'll be fine. Clarky's building up crocodile skin. I am. Um, I am, man. It's like, you know, whatever. It's like, it's okay. It's okay. Don't just don't lose three in a row. When we get to playoff time. Just don't do that. Okay. Yeah. Maybe People don't do saying, that. Oh, they peaked. What'd you think I, I read it? someone, someone saying they peaked too early. Well, what do you mean? They peaked too early. There's still like a the long way to go over. in the season. I know they peaked too early. Let's see if when they peak, let's just see. Maybe you can say that in the playoffs. Hey, they, peaked they back at the beginning of March. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, they said that about the Tampa Bay Lightning last year too. Steve, your thoughts on it? Yeah. You know what? The the, the Vancouver uh, double whammy there. That's. I mean, that's tough. Tough to take it because you know that's a team you got to take one out of two from. Like, I mean, that's uh, uh, sure in a perfect world. Sure. And and you know you got a Winnipeg. I mean, much much better team. Um, and it's going to be a tough goal over, you know, the, the, the three contests, um, is, is there a panic? Yeah. Clarky's right. There's really no panic at this point, but you just hate to give points back. Like you, you had them, you had them pinned against the wall. Uh, your, your nine point lead is evaporated to four. Um, so, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, could be worse. You could be Ottawa. Uh, yeah, you you could be Ottawa. Uh, that you know doesn't look very fun. Um, yeah, so let's let's move on and talk about uh, Clarkie's favorite Maple Leaf, Freddie Anderson. Uh, news dropping today as we record this that Jordan Bennington of the St. Louis Blues signed a six year extension at six million per a thirty six million dollar deal. Um, he is a guy who obviously won a Stanley Cup in his first NHL season, something Freddie hasn't done. But he is a guy that has a comparable type of stat line, if you will, over the last couple of years to a guy like Freddie Anderson. And that, you know, gets the conversation swirling in Leafland. What is Freddie going to get? Last year of his deal, he's making five now. Very unlikely he takes a discount on that. So if Bennington is at six, Maybe this is an advantage to the Leafs if they feel they want to keep Freddie because I don't know that Freddie can go into obviously a longer NHL career so far, but I don't know that Freddie can go into Kyle Dubas's office in the summer or 
you know, I guess they could technically agree to an extension in the coming weeks here. I don't think he can go with his agent into Dubas's office and ask for much more than six. If that's what Bennington got Clarky, what are your thoughts on that? You know, you know what I've thought about Freddie? Like, yeah, uh, it's hot and cold, right? Like sometimes I think, man, oh man, like I, I think I'm just a typical fan, right? Like if they lose to another goalie, it's the first thing you think of. They got out goaltended again. You know, Freddie couldn't make the save. Hellebuck made all the saves. Why can't Freddie steal a game? And he probably does steal games, but because you look sometimes with a critical eye at him, you don't realize he's st- stealing games. It's going to be interesting how this plays out. I really think it is. Like at the beginning of this year, remember, the Leafs had four NHL goalies basically on the roster with Aaron Dell and, and Campbell and Hutchinson and, and Freddie. And then all of a sudden, one game they had Michael Hutchinson and uh, Wall as the backup. So they've they've struggled with it. Um, I still think Jack Campbell is a heck of a goalie. Can you ride him as your number one? Tough, tough Tough question. Um, I think it would be a mistake. Yeah. So there's my point. You let Freddie go. You don't give him the five, six, whatever, seven million. He's at what, five now, five and a half now? Mm -hmm. He's going to want to raise for sure. Can they fit it in? You know the Leafs' problem with with the cap. They have Morgan Riley. They have Zach Hyman and Freddie Anderson all looking for raises, and they're having trouble with the cap. So they're in a tough spot. Well, I love I'm going to be very tuned in to see what uh what old doobie does yeah it'll be interesting and uh you bring up the next name that obviously factors into this conversation and that is zach hyman who once again is playing fantastic right now platooning on the third line with Angle and Mikheyev, and they become a pretty effective line for the Maple Leafs, especially in terms of what you'd expect of a third line. Steve, your opinion on Hyman, what he could ask for? I mean, I think he makes 2-4 or something like that now. Um, he's going to deserve a significant raise after a recent 30-goal season and just the fact that teammates love him. He works his rear end off. I mean, if he's asking for something with at least a 4 at the front of it, how do the Leafs shuffle this? Would you do whatever you could to keep this guy around? Well, you know, it's funny because there's always a discussion in the past, you know, couple of months about the Leafs and where's their energy line? Who's going to be on their checking line and and this and that. Um, and Hyman's definitely proven himself. Um, you're going to, you're going to lose somebody like you can't keep them all. So, I mean, up and down, uh, at this point in time, I put Hyman as a priority. Um, over Morgan Riley and Freddie Anderson? Not over Morgan Riley, but probably over Freddie Anderson. Um, the I mean, if Jack Campbell's hot to trot and he's going to be, you know, the next guy leading things through, it comes down to is, is what have you done for me lately? And right now, Riley and Hyman are the two that are proving probably um, that that they need to stay there. Um, we've seen other goaltenders step in for Toronto and do the job, so yeah, it'll be I, uh, I, it, it, it. There's no there's no right answer. Like you can't clear cut anything at this point in time. But um, yeah. Hyman's definitely making a name for himself at this point. No question. And the, I guess the biggest question is there. Will he take the hometown discount? 
I don't know. Right. Is he, does he love to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs and will he take a discount? You know, you know what the agent will say over that? Uh, he won't. Well, why he should won't. he do it? None of the other right. guys did. Right. Exactly. That's and exactly he puts his body guys. on the line more I than agree. any of those other guys. Hey man. hey, man, I know. I know. And he's not like Joe Thornton or, uh, or Jason Spezza when it comes to age. Like mm-hmm. those guys did. They wanted to play in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Zach Hyman has a lot of good years left ahead of him. And then I wonder about Freddie. Last thought on that is, does he go down the Nazem Kadri road where, you know what? Good goalie, but in the playoffs, you can't rely on him. You know, Kadri was for a different reason, kept getting suspended. And Freddie in game sevens, numbers don't lie, Ryan, has not been good. Yeah, it's been tough, and he needs to have a very big spring, I think, uh, because there will be a bit of a goalie carousel potentially. I I think that he's got to have a big spring to prove, hey, I deserve to still be the starting goaltender of the Toronto Maple Leafs. It'll be interesting to see what he gets after Bennington gets six by six. All right, quick check-in on the Blue Jays. They've had a bit of an up-and-down spring training, but it's spring training. You can't read too much into that. George Springer finally gets into a game, and uh, boy, he was impressive against the Tigers. Uh, He made an excellent catch in center field, something that you wish you could say about the Jays more last year, and that's obviously the biggest element he brings. Made a spectacular catch to end the first inning the top of the first and then he steps up for his first at bat and cranks a leadoff home run that is the other element that he brings to the Jays not only is he a great leadoff hitter and can get on base like few other uh, center fielders even in the league uh, he can lead off and potentially have it one nothing by the time Bo Bichette and Vladdy Guerrero and Teoscar Hernandez step up to the plate and then Vlad Jr. cranked two monster home runs today as well he is looking lean He's looking fantastic. His swing mechanics look a little cleaner. And he showed it off today with those two monster blasts today. Um, Obviously, very exciting for the Jays. Uh, The other thing that I found interesting was Hyunjin Ryu said in a recent interview that he felt like this year was potentially going to line up to be his best year. He feels healthier than he ever has. He feels more rested than he ever has. And he actually said that he felt last year that his command was a little off and he didn't feel that he was as good as he could have been, which is pretty scary for AL East hitters and the rest of the league because he still won best lefty in the major leagues. So uh, obviously that's good news and they need that from him because he's their only pitcher. Well, part of that too with the mentality, right? Look at what the Jays did in making the move to get Springer and Vladdy comes back a little more fit. Like if you're a pitcher, uh, the confidence moves up the ladder a little bit because now it's not all up to you. Like there was a lot of pressure on Ryu last year to be at his best all the time because the scope of mistakes was very, very small. Um, and they were, they were, they always seemed to be on edge that, you know, you let that ground ball through the infield, then it busts wide open. Um, they, they seem a little more, um, I don't want to stay focused, um, but uh, a little more relaxed because of the moves that the club has made. So, um, and now Ryu can worry about what, who's at second or who's in center or whatever the case may be. And it's funny, yeah, these guys are pros and they make a lot of money, 
right? And they're expected to do well. But those are all the things that always come into a player's mind when they're getting ready. I mean, I don't care who you are. You're always going to be affected by something on the field. And if the team and organization is, isn't putting the best product on the field that they can, that eats away at a club. So um, it'll be interesting coming up to April 1st when they have their season opener against the Yankees to see what their lineup is going to be. And, uh, you know, it looks pretty good so far. The other uh, nice thing, too, is over the last three games against the Tigers, Orioles, and Phillies, uh, combined starters pitched eight innings and have only given up three hits. So that's not too shabby. Matt's, yeah, it's pretty um, darn good. Yeah, Matt's was was uh, pitched uh, the other day against Baltimore. It was Roark today, um, or pitched on Thursday. So uh, not too bad. Yeah, it's pretty good. And of the 45 pitches, Matt's threw 33 were strikes. So that's a positive. Real quick, guys, our friend uh, and Mr. Listowel, they call him Corey Connors, four under in the opener of this weekend's tournament to the Players' Championship, the unofficial fifth major. Uh, Corey, I mean, couldn't be happier for the guy. He's just looking fantastic after placing third at the Arnie Palmer. Uh, he continues to roll. You can bet we will be reaching out to him to get him back on this program very soon to talk about his impressive performances. Let's hope he keeps it up through the weekend. Uh, quickly, gentlemen, let's touch on the Briar. Obviously, uh, very exciting stuff. We touched on it last week, uh, and we'll we'll touch on it again, of course, with our wagering expert, Chris Abbott. But uh, Steve, pool B set, and uh, our buddy John Epping playing really well. He'll be back on the show at some point soon, too, as well, we're hoping. But pool A, there's still some deciding to do. Well, you know what? It's interesting. Epping had that big win against uh, Cooey. Uh, on the second last day of uh, preliminary play. Um, Epping was kind of on the tipping point, needed that win, and he got it. So Cooey, Gushu, Epping, and Dunstone, uh, the four going through in Pool B. Uh, and then in Pool A, pretty much set. You got Howard at top. How about those wildcard teams, Clarkie? Who would have thought wildcard teams would lead the pools? Uh, and then Gunlogson, Manitoba, second followed by Botcher of Alberta and then Northern Ontario, New Brunswick uh, in a battle for that fourth spot in Pool A. But, um, you know, top four teams in each pool move on to the playoff round. Um, and, you know, Clark, you mentioned it last week uh, and asked a couple questions. You know, that wildcard team three or wildcard three team uh, with Bada skipping because of Howard's injury. I mean, how big is that? It's been fun to watch. I don't know if you guys have watched, but like Wayne Mata has made some incredible shots this week. He really and has. Like, you know, like uh, Glenn Howard's just sitting there thinking, man, this guy's pretty good. Um, I'm glad I got him to, to uh, skip my team. He's been pretty outstanding. And uh, yeah, they are doing well. John Epping, as you mentioned, that game against Cooey that you uh, talked about, Steve, there were so many rocks in play. And that's John's game. And, you know, they had a good, uh, you know, we talked to Chris Abbott last week about um, what he needs to do to get over that, that hump. Well, they talked about it. They talked about him knowing um, now that maybe he doesn't have to make that double raise takeout to win a game. And maybe, maybe he can play a little safer in such, in such situations. Um, last night, it was like, I think it was the eighth end. He's up eight to three and he just kept mucking it up even more. Instead of playing like peeling the guards, 
He just I'm just keep keep come keep coming. And I think he stole like three in the last end. So he's on his game, um, which is great to see. Um and uh, you know, um Gushu started the week poorly uh for his standards, but he's picked it up. So it'll be exciting. I know when this airs, um, we'll know uh what's happening, but uh I like Howard and I like Epping. That'd be fun. Absolutely. It sure would be. John's having a great showing there. And uh, like I mentioned, we will try and get him back on this show uh, as soon as we can. All right. We'll take a quick break here. When we come back to wrap up, as always, we'll chat with our wagering expert, Chris Abbott, about our buddy, Corey Connors. Of course, the Briar and some favorite bets for the finals and any other bets maybe in the hockey world that he's looking forward to this coming weekend. Stay tuned here on MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to wrap things up here on MWO Sports for another week. Ryan Drury alongside Clarky and Steve Sabern. We are welcoming on to the show, as always, our wagering expert, Chris Abbott. Chris, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, guys. How you doing tonight? Doing very well. And uh, our buddy Corey Connors of Listwell, Ontario, doing well at the opening round of the Players' Championship, uh, tagging a four-under first round in a three-way tie for third. Uh, of course, old Sergio is at seven-under leading the clubhouse, but... Corey Connors, I mean, he's really rising up the golf ranks. And I mean, his odds keep improving every week. And after performances like the Arnie Palmer, that's not a surprise where he finished third. Now, TSN had him coming into this tournament at plus 6,600 to win. Not an awful bet. I mean, I certainly don't think he'll win the tournament. But this guy is starting to put himself into the conversation of guys that you need to watch out for for consistent top 10 certainly even maybe top five finishes. Uh, what's Connor sitting at right now? And what's your overall impressions of the leaderboard and who to maybe lay some money on? Well, as we speak right now, um, the, we're waiting for the odds to be recalculated. I'll tell you that he closed before the opening round at 79 to one. So plus 7,900. Uh, I can guarantee you when that reopens, uh, he'll be, uh, he'll be a lot better than that, but it's really exciting to have a, you know, a big week um, last week and then roll it into this week. And in Canada, obviously we love getting behind our golfers when they have success. And to be honest with you, golf is one of the highest uh, percentage of wagers that come into a, a betting site believe it or not so it's uh it's exciting i think his odds probably when they open up will be more like 25 to 1 uh or 20 to 1 to win the tournament when uh when they come back on the board after his opening round so uh that remains to be seen but uh dustin johnson was the favorite coming in uh he carded i think a one over in his first round so uh you know you might gain some value on those guys with these tournaments oftentimes you, the guy who's the top five guys in the opening round uh, you you don't see them on sunday so we'll We'll see what happens. So it just goes to show, I guess, if you have a hunch and you think someone's going to do well, jump on when you can, because you know what? Turning to curling now, I thought John Epping was really going to have a good briar. Uh, didn't lay any money down. I'd imagine his odds maybe are not as good now as they were at the beginning of the tournament. But boy, he, Gushu had a rough start back now. Um, but John Epping, I think, I think John's going to win this tournament. I really do. I sure hope they do. I mean, they're they're a, a good partner of ours at Coolbet, and uh, I, John's actually a good personal friend of mine through that. So I really hope uh, he and Ryan and Brett Lang and Matt Cam and their coach Jim Wilson are able to to pull this off. I mean, to be honest, coming through that pool play, uh, especially the pool they were in, 
to come through that with only two losses and six wins is is phenomenal. And they're set up pretty good going into that championship round. We saw at the Scotties when you go into the championship round with the crossover, if you had three losses already, you were pretty much done for because you had to run the table. Now, if they're able to go, you know, three and one in their crossover games, um, they'll have a good shot. And I think the, the teams in Pool B are a little bit stronger than the teams in Pool A right now. And we saw that in the Scotties as well. Pool B dominated the uh, championship round and had all three teams in the in the final day. So, um, yeah, it's really exciting. I think Kevin Cooey's team has looked really, really good. They might be, uh, you know, the betting favorite right now. Uh, and again, because of their record, it doesn't hurt them either, but yeah, there's, there's good odds to be had. And I said, going into the tournament, Glenn Howard's team, who was 13 to one to win the thing, uh, Wayma has found the fountain of youth. So, um, that, that could be really exciting as well. Cooey didn't look good though. Yesterday against Epping, Epping took care of him, didn't he? He did. I mean, uh, you got to give John's team all the credit in the world, but then, you know, Cooey's team comes in there 6 and 0. They already had a playoff yep. spot wrapped up. Yeah, um, but you but still want to win. Take nothing away. Well, that's the thing with this format they're using now. Every game matters. Every loss yeah. matters. So, uh, I'm I'm sure the Cooey team didn't rest on their laurels. He didn't have a great night. He was outcurled by John uh, by a significant margin. And uh, you know, hats off to Team Ontario for that for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and an interesting side story as well. A uh, positive note, uh, it was tweeted out, of course, uh, even on the, the tournament's official accounts that uh, obviously John Epping and Greg Smith, when they faced off uh, for the first time ever, two openly gay skips facing off against each other, which is just extremely positive news. Uh, you know, outside of the fact that, you know, we've had John on the show before and we will definitely have him on again and he's a great person. It, it's a positive message uh, from the tournament as well. Uh, you can be yourself and you're going to be accepted. And I think that's a really positive message to send. Uh, Chris, uh, let's talk a little bit about the hockey scene. Obviously, we're not quite to the halfway point of the season and some teams are a little bit better to bet on than others. Uh, after a recent three-game skid here, and of course, we're recording this during their, their matchup here against Winnipeg on Thursday night. So we can't really tell you the result there. They, they either snapped a three-game skid or they didn't. Um, would you potentially maybe hammer the Maple Leafs over the weekend uh, simply because they're too good of a team to go on a skid for that long? Well, at some point they're going to come back around to where they were. That's absolutely the truth. But uh, one thing that I'm that I'm really looking at doing right now is the Winnipeg Jets are thirty nine to one to win the Stanley Cup, while the Leafs are seven to one. So if uh, you think that uh, they're on pretty equal footing, which is what it appeared to be uh, when they got together this week in Toronto, I think the Winnipeg Jets uh, futures uh, price is looking absolutely phenomenal. Remi remember that one team from this Canadian division will be in the final four. So if you're going to get the Jets at a price of 39 to one, I think that is a great price. And yes, the Leafs are going to come back around. Uh, every team hits a losing skid. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not concerned about Toronto. They're going to be there at the end of the day. Um, but, uh, I'm not in the, I'm not in the hammer them yet. I gotta, we gotta wait for them to shake it off. We'll see what happens. Absolutely. I agree. Just out of morbid curiosity, where are my capitals? What are the Stanley cup odds on them? I will guess. And you tell me, I would say that they're at 13 to one. Double that, and uh, you've got your odds for the really? Washington Capitals. Yeah. John Plyer, Ryan, right now. 
Hammering. I am hammering that. Absolutely. They are turning it around after being one of the worst defensive teams to start the season. They are turning it around 26 hey, hey. to one. I'll take that. Hey, can I bet on Tom Wilson getting another seven-game suspension anytime? This, this show's year? over. Uh, we're done. Thanks, Chris. Really appreciate you joining us. Uh, no, uh, we're not doing that. Here's what I would say, Chris. I don't know no, if there no, are no, odds no. on something like this. Jack Eichel getting traded. What kind of percentage would you put on that? What sort of odds would there be? Jack Eichel traded this year. Plus 1,800? Well, we may, uh, as we get a little bit as we get a little closer to the to the trade deadline, we will put up odds like who you know what team will this player be on after the trade deadline um, for him to get moved. No, I would say it's like six or seven to one, maybe right now. I, I think I think there's a strong okay. possibility. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't do it, but if he's you know if he's disgruntled, um, if he's not really that injured, I don't know the the case, but he's been in and out of the lineup, um, and you know it, it seems to be kind of hit and miss when he's when he was playing when he was so i don't know those there's there's a lot of red flags there i mean i i guys i thought buffalo was going to be competitive this year i really truly did so i i don't know what the problem is there i'm sure it's not him but if he's if he's fed up and he's said it before you you might see him get moved Yeah, it's uh, kind of becoming red flag central in Western New York. Our wagering expert, Chris Abbott, we really appreciate this as always, buddy. Thanks for doing this. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. We will uh, We will appreciate it, buddy, as always. All right. You can find the show on all the best podcast apps. We air Friday nights just after 6 on CKNX AM 920, CKNX.ca. Unless the Leafs play on a Friday at 7, we air just after 5.30, lead into pregame at 6.30. Remember, you can catch all the pregame shows and Leaf games live this year on CKNX AM 920. We are on YouTube. We are on social media at MWO underscore sports. And of course, you can watch this show Friday nights at 8, Sunday nights at 9 with our friends on Whiteman TV at 8 o'clock and and nine o'clock respectively. I'm Ryan Drury. That's Clarky. That is Steve Sabrin, our wagering expert, Chris Abbott. And for our guest this week, Dwayne Ford of the CFL, we appreciate you listening to and watching MWO sports brought to you by coolbet.co. Mm-hmm.